Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be discussing paperbacks <laughs> to the best of our ability. Gail will probably discuss more paperbacks than I have because, I don't know, I took a hiatus from 2020 books. So this is when all of them are starting to come back in paperback. And I was looking at developing my list and realizing I'm like, oh, I haven't read a lot of my 2020 books. So this might be more of a reminder for me of things that I do want to read that I have that are now out in paperback that I need to, I don't know, change my priorities, bring them up higher in the pile, something. (laughs) But luckily, Gail has read a bunch of stuff. Yeah, a bunch of the books I read last year, or even some I read this year, looks like they're out in paperback now. So I think between the two of us, we should have a good list. Uh. I am preparing to go on vacation, like we had kind of alluded to in the last episode. We're just not quite, we're in a bit of a transition time and we're not quite sure what our schedule is going to be. So I'm going to be going on vacation and I think it's like six days. And I think right after I come back, Gail is going to go away. Yeah. (laughs) We have a couple of episodes in the can that for one reason or another, just we haven't gotten to yet. So... I know last week it was more like, you might not hear from us again this summer, (laughs) but we have a few episodes, so it might not be noticeable for a while. It might be okay. Like I may have completely just made stuff up last week and our schedule will be fine, but it's probably been a little while since you've heard from us now. So you'll get a nice few episodes and then we'll see where we are. Yep. Lots of moving parts this summer. So yeah, try to keep things covered on this front if we can. What have you been reading? What have I been reading? So on audio, I started a book and I'm really only a little bit into it called Wayward by Dana Spiata. Spiota, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. I feel like I just saw that book somewhere and it looked good. Oh, I think oh, I went browsing in the bookstore, which was so fun. When you saw it in the bookstore, did you notice that the book is a really weird shape? No. So it's like a normal, maybe a little tall and narrow. Yeah. I don't understand why. Like, what's the point? Why make a book a different shape? People like uniformity on their bookshelves. And like, I got this one from the library. Is it going to be awkward and too tall? I don't know. I mean, that's a library book, so I'm not going to keep it. But I don't know. When I picked it up, I was like, what is this? But it's really, I don't know. I'm liking it so far. It's not for everybody. Like it's definitely like a type. It's about a woman in her fifties who lives in like Syracuse, like upstate New York. And one day she goes to look at this kind of ramshackle house downtown. She lives in the suburbs and she sees this house that needs lots and lots of updating and care and construction and everything. And she just like on a whim, she buys it, even though she's married and lives with her husband and her daughter in the suburbs. She's just like in the midst of a total midlife crisis. So she basically like gets home, tells her husband, I'm leaving you. I bought this house. I'm moving downtown. But what's kind of more interesting about it is that it takes place like right after the election, 2016. And she's, you know, very angry. And it's kind of about how she finds these outlets for her anger with these other very angry women. And she kind of joins these groups of women who are like, 
they're sort of the preppers, but they're preppers on the other side of the spectrum. They're very, you know, they're super liberal. And I don't know, it's, I know this sounds really weird, but I, I just, I got sucked in. I'm only like, you know, maybe I'm doing it on audio. So maybe I'm like 40 or 50 pages in, but I got sucked in and I like the writing. So we'll see. I did read another book by her once called Innocence and Others. It was many, many years ago. And I remember I liked it, but I didn't love it. So I'm just kind of curious to see how this one comes out. Innocence and Others, was that a book or was it short stories? I think it was a book. It was a definitely a long time ago. Her writing is just, she like sucks in a lot of references. It feels very like current and fresh and stuff. So even though it takes place five years ago. And then in print, I'm reading the book that you and I, I think are both reading, which is What Could Be Saved by Lise O'Halloran Schwartz, which I'm just not very far into that. The book I had picked up a while ago, read a little bit of, and then put down, and then I just picked it back up again because it's my book club book and you're reading it too. So I'm excited to get back into it. And I, so far I, I like it. Yeah, it's going to be next on my list. So did you abandon the other black girl? I don't want to say I abandoned. I put it aside for now. Okay. Well, we'll revisit if we make it a book club. Okay. Well, tell me, because you're enjoying it, right? Or you read it. I'm about halfway through. I haven't gotten to anything that would say, oh, I don't know why I'm reading this book. I really don't like it. I think it's just a quieter story, you know, if it's a management of expectations things. But I just find it's like this really, so far, I think the other Black girl and the fact that it references Get Out and some other it's like the devil wears Prada meets Get Out, I think is how it's been explained. And it's kind of explained as a thriller. And I think it's a much quieter book. You know, like, I don't know, maybe we know with thriller books how like everything happens in the last 10 pages and you're just kind of like, feel like you've been run over. I think it might be an expectations thing. This is like a much quieter book about this young Black woman who is working at this publishing company. Um, she has a white boyfriend. She's always wanted to work in publishing. And it seems like she came from a bit of a privileged background. So this new girl starts and she's also a young Black woman. And there are immediate tensions there. And it's juxtaposed against the story of these two women in the 1980s, two Black women who have the first book that's like, it's written by a Black woman and it's edited by a Black woman. It becomes a success and it's like a thing. But there's also hints that maybe this period of, of life has like cracked up one of these women's emotional well-being because the book starts off with someone fleeing on a train to New York. So I think maybe if you're looking for more horror, more thriller, I'm not saying that it's not there because there are situations that come up and there is menace, but I don't think it's as strong, especially during the first half of the book. So if you're looking for all of that movement and stuff, then I could see how maybe you would think it's boring or whatever. But I, yeah, I really like it. All right. I've heard so many mixed things about this book. Some people love it. Some people really, really don't. Sounds like you need to read it and make up your own mind. Make up my own mind. Yeah. I think I made it like maybe 40 pages in. I wasn't disliking it, so I will pick it back up. Yeah. I think sometimes that's why I try to avoid, like once I've decided that I'm going to read a book, especially this one that I think had quite a bit of hype around it and lots of people have opinions. It's just like, once you make the decision to read the book, you've got to shut the faucet off and see what you think. You know, like if you're bored and you want to put it down or whatever, I'm in the season of thriller. So it was just good for me to recognize, okay, this is not that in the way that I'm expecting. It's not like, oh my gosh, I have to see what happens next page turner. But it's like, 
these women's lives that I'm interested in. So hopefully that provides some clarity for anyone who is considering this book. If you want edge of your seat suspense, it's not that. And I don't know, maybe I'll come back next week and I'll be like, oh, it wasn't worth it or it completely changed. I'm not sure. But like I said, right now, I'm just, I'm enjoying it. Good. All right. Well, that's definitely a good data point for me. It will be like the Lise O'Halloran. I think I'm going to take that on vacation with me. So I'm really excited because I'm normally traveling by plane. And where did I go? I did a vacation with my mom. I don't know why I can't remember where we went, but I think it was to Asheville, North Carolina. But we went, she drove down and it was so exciting because when you drive places, you can just bring whatever you want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's like no baggage check that you can just be completely unrestrained and be like, oh, I might wear one of five things on Monday. (laughs) Right. So I just love it. So a friend and I are driving up to Boston because we have a friend who moved there. And, you know, like I had a couple of friends who live in that area that I've made plans to get in touch with. And it's going to be really fun. But I'm super excited to just be able to pack, to be like, oh, I need all of my skincare and like every different permutation of outfit. (laughs) So what's the stack of books you're going to bring? Crying in H Mart, I'm trying to get back into going to my in-person book club, which I think I said has been a struggle because most of the book club lives in Brooklyn and being back in the office and working sometimes just thinking of going to Brooklyn is just too much to bear. But this next one that's coming up is going to be held at my friend's house in the East Village. So I'm going to try to read Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zauner in order to go to that book club since it's like across town for me. So I'm taking that. I am taking What Could Be Saved, which you just started reading. And this is part of my books that I'm reading with my friend Lexi. Like we have had this book club of two during the pandemic where we choose books to read. And so I don't know, sometimes we get through two to three a month and we just couldn't do the heavy stuff anymore. So we're all, we're just, we're reading thrillers and living our best thriller lives. So I think I suggested this. You mentioned it on the show and I looked it up and I was like, oh, I like this. And you know how much I love Thailand and Bangkok. So taking that. I started reading What Passes as Love by Trisha R. Thomas, which comes out in September. And I think this is one of the books that we thought we might be interested in and might do a book club on it. So I started reading that. You know how books, sometimes they have like this one plot device that you just don't care for. It has one of those, but other than that, it's just like, other than this big glaring thing that kind of annoys me about this book, I like the book. It's like one of these books that you can enjoy if you you have to suspend disbelief about something. Is this the one that is historical fiction? Which sadly we discovered historical fiction is like, what, 1970 now, 1980? I'm halfway through The Other Black Girl, so I will probably take that and finish reading at some point. And that might be all I take because this is not a beach vacation. Like one friend hasn't been to Boston, so we'll probably do the Freedom Trail or a heritage tour. My friend was telling me about this really cool boat event that we might do. So it's not a vacation where I'm on the beach kind of thing. I feel like it'll be more active. So, but I will also take my Kindle just in case. Just in case. So always a good backup. 
Because I get up early. I like to get up early. The place has a pool close to by the pool and read for a couple hours easy before. I doubt if anyone's going to want to hop up at 7 a.m. and do anything. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. So maybe I should take one more. <laughs> How long are you going? Wednesday to Sunday. Oh, I think you're probably okay. I guess. But remember, this is a car trip, so I can literally take one bag of books. I'm going to get downstairs and my friend is going to be like, what in the hell? (laughs) (laughs) As I have my large suitcase that I used when I, you know, go to Asia or Europe. We're going to Boston for four days, but I'm excited. All right. Well, should we talk about paperbacks? Yeah. So I looked at books that are either coming out in paperback like this week or did in the last month or so. I basically went back to the end of June, books that came out basically in the last month on in paperback. And most of these are ones I've read before that I liked. So if you're looking for books to pick up for maybe not a car trip, but maybe an airplane, you need something light, or you just want to spend a little less money, or you're looking for things that are easier to find at the library now, I think this is probably a good list. Or you just like the font of a paperback because it's usually smaller. Mm, it is smaller. I used to only read paperbacks because of that reason before I started blogging. And then, you know, if you wanted a new book, you had to take the hardcover. I was such, I was a snob that way. I'd be like, the regular books, the hardcover books, the print just looks so huge. It's also just bigger and bulkier to either put in your purse. Like I went to get a manicure yesterday and I had to put what could be saved in my purse, which is bigger. All right. Well, I think I'll start with the ones that are already out. I'll start in June. And my first paperback to recommend is Saving Ruby King by Catherine Adel West, which came out on June 21st. And this was a book about a family, a couple of families in Chicago dealing with the effects of systemic racism and domestic abuse. Follows through generations and how it kind of all comes together in an explosive situation with kind of the youngest generation. So like the youngest of the people are in their 20s or yeah, I think they're in their 20s, sort of college aged. So this was a debut novel and it was very suspenseful, well-written, and I think would make a good summer read. It's not like a light beach read, but it is engrossing and has suspense in it. So if you're headed to the beach, I think this could be a good one. Oh, I'm going to have to put that on the list for me and Lexi. Yeah, I think he would like this one. If it's suspenseful. I started reading it, but I don't know what happened. That distracted. How far did you get in it? Really not far. Maybe I read two chapters. Mm -hmm. I don't even really remember what happened. It wasn't the book. It was one of those, oh, I need to read something else or for whatever reason. Yeah. And just never got back to it. I actually did this one on audio and the audio was great. Well, there's three male narrators and two female narrators. And I thought that the three men were fantastic. I didn't think the two women were as good. They were a little bit too girly. And I felt like this book was too serious to merit like kind of breathy and like adolescent sounding voice, even though I know they were young, but, but like a bad match. But the three men were great. There are two men and then an older man. And I just thought they, they did a really good job with that. So I know that pushing the audio when I've just pushed the paperback is kind of strange, <laughs> but um, I like to do both. So my recommendation is get the audio and then borrow the paperback or vice versa. And then you can do them both. You can tandem read them. This is a good book. This is really amazing to me that this was a debut. Oh, really? Yeah. 
And she's really young. I just think this was like pretty impressive showing by somebody new. Well, I, now I don't know. It's just like, do I read it? Do I listen to it? Do both. So was this one of those books that I know you talk about a lot that by the end you had to switch to the paperback? I don't remember. I do remember I was running and listening to this, which is unusual for me because usually when I run, I do podcasts and I find it sometimes I'm a little distracted when I'm running. And so it's hard to follow the plot of a book. And I remember that with this one, I ran to it. So that's a sign that I was hooked and wanted to finish. And like, that's also a sign of a really good audiobook. So I don't think I finished this one in print, but I don't remember. It's the same with listening too. But when I'm reading something on a Kindle and I can finish it on that, it's really impressive. Because usually what will happen is I will have access. It's either a view copy on Kindle or something that I don't know, for whatever reason, I impulse bought. And if it's good, more than likely, I am going to buy the book. I'm going to switch just because sometimes, I don't know, with Kindle, I just forget about things. I get a lot of stuff from the library too that I'll start reading on Kindle. And if I know it's really good, I will at some point just stop and just get the book and finish the book. But sometimes they're so good that I will actually finish it on Kindle just because I finish it so quickly. All these ways to read. I don't know if we mentioned on the last show, but Such a Fun Age, the last show that we did about paperbacks, I've been just kind of looking at the list of things we mentioned. Such a Fun Age is out in paperback. Were you going to talk about that one? Nope, that's not on my list. Okay. So Such a Fun Age, that book, it had a pretty good run in hardcover because it came out in January of 2020, I think. Yeah, that is quite a while. I think it was like one of the last few books that I read before everything changed. So it is now out in paperback and it's the story of this young woman who works as a nanny for this family. She takes the couple's daughter out with her when she is grocery shopping and she is stopped by the police and she has like a kind of incident with the police that someone is actually filming. So it goes viral. And it's kind of like about her life in the aftermath of that, like how the family treats her, how she's trying to get herself together. This was a lighter read, but I feel like it provides so much good conversation that it's worth checking out. I think that's right. It addressed some serious issues. Some of it was funny just with the way she interacted with her employer. Some of it was funny, sad, both for her employer's child and just for herself. Yeah, it's one of those books that's interesting. I think it's light and people see enough similarities to situations that they've had that makes it easily discussable. I think sometimes the lighter books or the serious books that have a light touch can be dismissed, but I don't know. Sometimes I think those books provide so much discussion. Big Little Lies was like that for me too. Oh, I had one paperback. Okay. So yeah. What's your next one? Uh, My next one is a book that I didn't love, but I wanted to mention it. It's The Beauty in Breaking by Michelle Harper. It is a memoir about a woman who goes to medical school and becomes an emergency room doctor. It's got sort of vignettes about various experiences she had in the ER. And the vignettes are usually, they were seemed like they were chosen to kind of represent different themes in her life. So she is a black woman, grew up in DC. She had kind of a a difficult, abusive household. She actually went to my high school, but she's younger than I am. So I I didn't know her. She had kind of a difficult, abusive household that no one knew. It was like a secret. Nobody knew like what was really going on at home for her. 
So she, you know, definitely had like a lot of challenges growing up. Then she went to Harvard, went to medical school and becomes a doctor. So it's about, you know, the challenges of being a black doctor, challenges of being a woman doctor, how, you know, she's faced sort of some institutional barriers, like when she wanted to affect change in the hospital systems, both in terms of how patients are cared for and also like administrative stuff, like how she was kind of thwarted. But then it's also about the patients too that she saw and some of the lessons she kind of learned from them. I liked it. I mean, it was an interesting book. It was an interesting perspective. As a book, I'm not sure it's the greatest because it didn't really hang together that well. It wasn't as cohesive. And she also brings in kind of some new agey stuff. Like she's like a practicing Buddhist. And so there's some stuff about, you know, which I don't really, didn't really connect to some of that side of it. It's not a very long book. You could read this book relatively quickly. And I just appreciated the perspective I got from it, just considering that I'm not a doctor, I'm not a black woman, I could never have sort of been in her shoes. And so I found it interesting just to see what her journey was like. So that is The Beauty and Breaking by Michelle Harper. That sounds good. I've heard such good things about that book. Like it comes up as a book that a few people I know have recommended. I feel like we had a guest on the show who might have even recommended this book. Yeah, that's possible. It was the book of the month. I've seen it in a lot of places. Is that where you got it? No, no, I think I swapped for it, but I was interested in it. You know, as soon as I learned about it, I was interested. So I kind of had my eye out for it on the swaps and it's, I see it appear fairly regularly. So it was not hard to procure. Okay. I want to talk about a book. It just came out in paperback. So it was, it was a trade paperback original. It's called Old Legends, New Voices. You know, I love a good retelling. This one is a collection of short stories that are retellings of the lore surrounding King Arthur, Camelot, and the Knights of the Round Table. So this is a retelling that was collected by a friend of mine. Her name is Swapna Krishna. Gail and I have both known her since we started blogging like 10 years ago, I guess. So she and another woman worked on this, Jen Northington, who I believe at one point was a bookseller. I'm not quite sure what she's doing now, but I feel like, was it River Run in New Hampshire that she worked at? I don't know if I'm getting her confused with Michelle Philgate, who also has a book, interestingly enough. So this one is out. I'm excited about this because you know I love retellings. Like I was never that much into King Arthur. I know the basics. Like I know some of the poetry that has been written about King Arthur. And I have read some stories about him when I was younger. And I think that's, I probably did not read them as much because... I just don't read as much fantasy anymore, but I'm excited to read this. Actually, Old Legends, New Voices is the kind of like it's the subtitle or the tag. The name of the book is Sword Stone Table. And I started reading one story and I feel like I'm really going to enjoy this because the story that I picked to read is about a king's daughter who Merlin gives her like this well, he doesn't give it to her. He gives it to the kingdom and the king. This looking glass allows them to take a look at what's going out in the world outside of their very tiny kingdom. And it can kind of help, you know, like protect the kingdom from threats or anything that they see going up. But his daughter sneaks into his room where the mirror is kept and decides to look and see what her destiny is going to be, who she's going to marry, because she knows that her father intends to marry her off soon. But when she looks, she sees herself as a knight. So she starts going off on this quest, I guess, to become what she's seen in the mirror. So I really like it so far. Hmm. I had not heard about this book until you mentioned it. Yeah, we should talk to her. I think she likes retellings too. Yeah, that's cool. Well, she spent her life 
good chunk of time editing some retelling. Yeah. So that's cool. Okay. So the next book is the only book on this list that I haven't read, but I wanted to just bring some attention to it. And it just came out in paperback on the 5th of July. And that is Pull of the Stars by Emma Donahue. I have that in hardcover. This is a book, again, I haven't read it, but it is about a woman who is a midwife in England during a pandemic. Was it the Spanish flu? What was the pandemic that she was in? I'm not even sure since I haven't read it. I guess she's in the hospital ward trying to you know, help deliver babies from women who may actually be sick. So she's risking her own life by being with them, but this is her job and this is what, you know, she wants to help them and do what she can. I'm just looking it up right now. It was, there's a flu. I guess they don't, maybe doesn't say what the flu is. Oh, it's in Ireland. It's not England. I'm sorry. The height of the great flu. Sorry. Now I've got the details. Takes place in 1918 in a maternity ward at the height of the great flu. So obviously there's a lot of relevance to this book today because it's the middle of a pandemic and, you know, people on the front lines who are risking their lives to do what they can to help the sick people. And I, you know, I still think the only book I've actually read by her is Room. I might have read the the one that came after it, and I can't remember whether I finished it or not because I remember I didn't like it. Frog music or something, I think it was called. Was it a Western? Maybe it was. I think so. It was set in some strange time period. I remember being interested in reading it, but couldn't quite get with it. Yeah, I think I didn't. I may have started it, but I don't think I finished it. But I still really love Room. I think she's a fantastic writer. And this one really appeals to me. And I feel like it went under the radar. It came out in July of last year. And maybe because of the subject matter, people were like, had, you know, serious pandemic fatigue and nobody wanted to read about it. So for her, unfortunately, the timing worked out to be bad. But I've heard great things about it. And I just wanted to give it a little attention. Yeah. It's okay. So frog music is not a Western, but it's set in 1876 in San Francisco. Is there a prostitute involved in it? Yes. I definitely started that book. I do not think I finished it. I'm going to look it up on my blog. And that one was also about heat wave and there was a smallpox epidemic going on. I did not read it. I didn't finish it anyway. I read by her, which I really loved, The Wonder. Yeah. I think we talked about it recently on the show. Yeah, it came out in, in 2016. I might have mentioned it recently. It's about this woman who goes over, a nurse who goes over to Ireland because there's this young girl who is supposedly having some kind of religious experience that is requiring her or where she doesn't eat. Like she doesn't eat, but she's been able to sustain herself for a really long time. So she's assigned a nurse to kind of get to the bottom of this because... It's like at the height of the time when Irish and the English are very suspicious of each other. Ireland is very resentful about being dominated by the English. So she's like this English nurse who goes to this Irish countryside that's kind of full of superstition. And she needs to figure out what's going on with this little girl because she's basically wasting away. And just because of the, the beliefs of the community, it's a fraught situation. That was a really good book. She's got such a wide range of settings and plot lines. And she's just very talented. Yeah. I also want to read a book by her called Astray. I think that one sounded good. She has yeah, some good books that you want to investigate her backlist. I think that she would be an author who would provide not only good writing, but just like you said, a variety of choices. 
All right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that has been hanging out on my shelf. So I'm going to mention a book. It's already out in paperback. I think it just came out in July. And this was one of these books that I started reading on Kindle, got into it, and then bought a copy. It's called The Quiet Girl by SF Kosa. And it is about this woman who walks away from her life. She's an author. She's a romance author. She's newly married. She has this beautiful home in Cape Cod where she goes out to write books. And she, I don't know, her and her husband have only been married for a couple of months. So they just had like their first fight or whatever. And so she goes up to do some writing and he's supposed to come up at the weekend. But because they didn't leave things in a good place, he decides to come up early. But when he gets to the cottage, her rings are like in this dish. So she's taking her jewelry off. She's taking her wedding rings off and no one has seen her. So the police, of course, believe that she just, you know, maybe she just decided to leave her life. You know, maybe she wasn't happy, but the, her husband definitely thinks that something it has gone wrong and is trying to get to the bottom of this. And there's this young woman called Layla. She has memory problems. Like there's something going on with this girl. Like uh, she doesn't remember interactions, like certain things set her off. She just does not retain anything. So she is also in the Cape Cod area working as a waitress. And she is basically the key for this guy to find out what has happened to his wife. And I really like this book. I have to say it is in spite of, she does this thing that is just like I mentioned before about plot pet peeves. So this one just drives me up a wall because it makes no sense to me. makes no sense to me as a reader. The guy's wife is a writer and she has this unfinished manuscript or whatever that he begins to read as well so he can try to figure out what's going on in Gale. It takes him days to read this thing. Oh, God. <laughs> just like, dude, your wife is missing. <laughs> oh, really? my God. <laughs> and he's like getting clues from the book and going to talk to people. And then he'll be like, oh, I really should have read a little more because I didn't ask so-and-so the right questions. And it's like, if a loved one of mine is missing and they've written something that I think is good, who doesn't stay up and read the whole damn thing? Like, oh, oh God, that just drives me kind of bonkers. But she's a clinical psychologist who's written this book. She's written other books. And besides that one thing, like I just wish she had picked some other way, I guess, to have some misdirection or to stretch it out. Like, I'm not quite sure. You know, it's always exciting, kind of like a book within a book to be reading something or whatever. But I just feel like, look, if it's important, if someone's been missing for a week and you think something bad happened. Yeah, you pour over it immediately. Exactly. You don't have the guy talking about, oh, and I really need to get up and finish reading that book. Oh, God. That's bizarre. <laughs> what kind of husband are you to not sit and read the whole thing and figure it out? And the other book that did that, which was super popular, is Verity. I feel like that was all over the place and people were reading it by Colleen Hoover. And I don't know, that just drives me nuts. Like no one does that. I mean, I'll stay up late to finish a book that is about, you know, no one, zero people that I care about are in danger, <laughs> but you just want to know what happens. Right. Of course. Okay. So my next one is Transcended Kingdom by Yaa Jesse. And this is a book about a woman who is living in the South with her mother. Her brother has died of a drug overdose and she is sort of trying to 
you know, get into adulthood. She goes to graduate school. She ends up out in California. And it's just kind of looking back on her life and just figuring out like how to have a relationship with her mother. It's also about the sort of intersection of faith and science in her life because she's a scientist. And I think she is studying like the impact of addiction on the brain, but yet she's also very religious and has grown up in the church. And so it's like, how does she reconcile these two sides of her life? Also about racism, she's black and it's about some racism that her brother faced because her brother was, he died of a opioid addiction because he got addicted to painkillers after a basketball accident left him, you know, with a broken limb or something. So there's kind of a lot going on in this book. It's very different from her first book, Homegoing, but it is, it's kind of like a swirl. Like I think of it, it's a swirl of themes and things going on in her mind and just how she sort of tries to get through it. I think I liked Homegoing better, but I thought this one was pretty good as well. Definitely worth mentioning on the paperback show. I think I'm going to start with that. I have both her books I sometimes do this where I collect the books before I get around to reading them. I will probably start with this one just because everything I've heard about homecoming makes it sound so daunting. If you start homegoing, I think you'll find it's not that hard. The thing that's just complicated about homegoing is it traces, you know, 300 years or something. Maybe it's not quite that long, but it chases a lot of generations in two half sisters. And so you have to sort of keep reminding yourself, which storyline am I in? You know, which lineage, which family tree or which part of the family tree are we looking at right now? So you just have to kind of keep it straight, but it's really good. So I'll probably just take notes, but I do really want to read Transcendent Kingdom. Maybe I'll take that one with me because I don't think it's that long. No, it's not. All right. So my next book is Stray by Stephanie Dandler. She was the best-selling author of Sweet Bitter, which was kind of about this young woman. It's her coming of age story. She moves from some nondescript place where it seems like she's a little bit running from her life, you know, maybe nothing traumatic, but she has decided that she wants to give New York a try and she finds a place in Williamsburg, I think. And then she works at this restaurant, which is based on Union Square Cafe, which is kind of like a famous restaurant in New York which actually had closed for a while and then they reopened it. And I remember I had gone before they closed and they had like the best crab dish that I've ever had. I still think about that crab, but they've reopened and I've eaten there at the bar and it's very nice. And I hope that's the restaurant because I feel like there were a couple of books about restaurants. So anyway, she wrote that, her coming of age story. And it's like, kind of about restaurant life and what goes on behind the scenes, how they all hang out after the different relationships between the staff. They actually did a show. It's a series and I can't remember whether it's on HBO or Showtime, but it's one of those. And now she's written this memoir and it says that, you know, she's like lived her dream life. You know, she writes this best-selling book. She has all this acclaim And she thought this was going to be her happily ever after, her happy. But she's kind of got all of these past difficulties. You know, her mom is an alcoholic. Her dad, she hasn't seen since she was three. And I believe he's like a meth addict. She's got all of these things that she's got to face and like all this trauma and just stuff that she needs to navigate in order to get to that happy place that she thought she would get to once she wrote the book and just like had such success with it. So I'm looking forward to reading that. 
I never read um, Sweet Bitter, but I always think of you whenever I see it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I will always link Sweet Bitter with the one that was about the Manson. Oh, the girls? The girls. I will always link those because those are the big books of that year and I read them both. It's interesting. Sweet Bitter was really interesting because one of my friends worked at a restaurant. So I kind of like knew how they have a back of the house meal every day. You know, like they have family dinner, the relationships they have getting out of work late and, you know, just kind of it being really incestuous. So my reading of Sweet Bitter was just kind of always colored by my own knowledge of like, because the guy that I was friends with worked at one of my favorite restaurants, which was right across the street from my apartment, but it closed. Didn't survive the pandemic. And then the girls, which I kind of liked her writing, but I also thought it was like overdone writing if she had toned it down a little bit. But yeah, I can't think of one of those books without thinking of the other. That happens sometimes the books come out around the same time. And, and there's such hype around them because I think they were both got really big advances. They were both really young when they wrote them. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, my next one is another one that I read and I have slightly mixed feelings about it, but I wanted to mention it here. It's The Exiles by Christina Baker Klein. And this is historical fiction about women who end up in Australia when England was shipping their prisoners to Australia when they you know, didn't have enough room in the prisons in London. So they put them on the boat and sent them to Australia, which was a English colony at the time. And there's a few women whose lives intersect here. I don't want to reveal too much about what happens to them, but they end up kind of either meeting on the boat or meeting when they get to Australia and their lives kind of come together in the end. And I like Christina Baker Klein a lot. She wrote Orphan Train. She's written a bunch of other books. Obviously, historical fiction is her comfort genre. Although I've read some kind of more just like domestic fiction about relationships and marriage and friendships and stuff by her that I've really liked. One called Bird in Hand, which I read years and years and years ago. But this one, I liked it. It was a little bit predictable and I felt like it may have done kind of more like tell, don't show. So like I was, as I was reading it, there were times when I was kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, we get it. Like you don't need to spell everything out for us. Like let us discover some of this stuff on our own as readers. But it was just an interesting time and just I don't think it's a period or a kind of a phenomenon that gets a lot of attention, the kind of the shipping off of people to Australia. So I wanted to mention that here. So that also came out on July 5th. Wait, so what did you say that you didn't? You were kind of mixed on it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was like a little bit predictable. I did this one on audio and I guess I felt like she made, like you kind of could see what was coming. There were some things that maybe felt like a little bit more cliched. Like I wanted it to feel a little bit fresher. I said it was relentlessly depressing, which, you know, is okay. Because the women in the book experience a lot of loss and abuse. So maybe that was like one thing that bothered me that it just felt like the abuse and the negativity and the awful stuff, like it doesn't really let up. Like it just kind of went on and on and on. And I felt like what she was trying to do to sort of convey like the power of friendship and how these women survived became less interesting to me. And what was more interesting to me were the historical details because she did so much research for it. So for me, it was a little bit uneven, I guess I could say. So have you found her other books to be less predictable? I have to admit, I judge her by her covers. Oh, because they're all kind of like these soft, like women fiction-y things. Looking off into the distance or holding the hand of a child. I think I really (laughs) like The Orphan Train. 
It's, I mean, I read it almost nine years ago. It's that old. Yeah. I read it in 2012. I really liked this one and I thought it was a fascinating story. Just, I think that she has started a trend of people writing about the orphan trains because there are so many other books now about it. But okay, actually I'm looking at it now. I think it came out in April of 2013. I think I read a review copy in November. So it's eight years old. Yeah, I really liked Orphan Train. And I think that was why I was a little bit disappointed with The Exiles because I think I liked Orphan Train so much more. Yeah, I read this book, Bird in Hand. Are those the only two you read? Yeah, this one I read in 2009. So it's a long time ago. And it was about two couples and one of the women of one couple and the man of the other couple, when they decide that they need, that they are in love with each other. So they've married the wrong people and that they're in love with each other. So this is like, you know, domestic marriage type thing. And I really liked that book. It's been a long time ago, so I don't remember it all that well, but I like that a lot. So I can see why you dismiss kind of her later stuff. I think it's being marketed sort of in a, that gauzy, like looking out in the distance way, but I think she's really talented. I'll keep that in mind. I mean, the exiles did sound more appealing to me than, I don't know. I mean, when I think about it, Orphan Train probably was not a light book. It couldn't have been. No, I mean, it's about these kids who are like shipped off to the Midwest from the East Coast. I just feel like these covers do these books such a disservice because it does, when I look at the cover of Orphan Train, I just don't get that. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm looking my, I liked her, her writing here. I thought her, the story was fascinating. I did complain about Orphan Train that it was a little bit predictable at one point, like depending on coincidence and things like that. But I said, even that didn't really bother me. It flowed well and kept me interested. Very sad. Shaosi is drawn to the sad stories, but yeah, I liked it. It's so good when you've read a few books by an author, because then I can question you about them. <laughs> Like, how has she changed over the years? That's kind of how things go. You like some books better than others. Do you have any more paperbacks? I'm trying to look and see if there's anything else I want to mention, just because, like I said, everything that I looked up is something that I have in hardcover and just did not read yet. The Mirror and the Light is out in paperback. It came out in May. And that was Hilary Mantel's, that was the end of the Wolf Hall trilogy. And I really liked those books, but I just couldn't get into it. I mean, I think that was Pandemic Brain. It was like a long book and I know how it can be. You have to really set yourself up in that mindset. I mean, I read the first chapter and it was just like, okay, it'll be easy to get back into that world. But it just, it was long and it seemed daunting at the time, but I do want to read it. And it seems like all of the other books in the series, Wolf Hall, Bringing Up the Bodies, got new treatments in paperback. So probably having something where they align the books and making it easier for everyone to get all three. So that's out. I feel like BA Paris has a new book out that was that's in paperback. The Therapist? Therapist, maybe, but they could be just doing like some books with a big author like that, they will do, they'll release both versions at the same time. So I kind of have a feeling like that's what's going on there that you can get the paperback. And, or you can get the hardcover, just depending on your preference. The Vanishing Half, I think we mentioned on the last show, it came out. I want to read Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. I hear nothing but good things about it. And it was one of those books, I like the cover of the tree paperback better, I think, than I like the cover of the original. And maybe I will get that. I'm trying to get my friend to stop in Mystic, Connecticut, because it's like halfway between New York and Boston. 
And if we do, I want to go to this bookstore there. And I'm sure there's like a ton of bookstores in Boston. So I may come back with some of these. Well, I have a couple more. And some of them I've talked about a lot in the show, so I won't get too into them. Confessions on the 745 by Lisa Unger came out just last week on July 12th. This is a thriller about a woman who sends, who meets a stranger on the train home one night and confesses something about her husband. And the next day, her nanny has disappeared. And so the question is, is there a connection? Who is the woman on the 745 who is now sending her texts? And it kind of goes from there into thriller territory. So that would be a good, I think, a good beach read. And A Very Punchable Face, the memoir by Colin Jost of Saturday Night Live fame is also out on paperback. I'm assuming they kept the same cover because it was so attention getting. It's just a picture of Colin Jost's face. And I love this one. This is a great read. I read this over the pandemic as well. So highly recommend. And then the last one I want to mention comes out on July 26th in paperback, and that is White Ivy by Susie Yang. And this is a book that while I was reading it, I really wasn't sure about it. And I kind of had some issues with it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. But it has really stayed with me. And I think about that book fairly frequently. And the end is very good and shocking. So in the end, I think I ended up really liking that one. Did you end up reading it? I haven't read it yet. Okay. I think you would like it. So all of these paperbacks that have in hardcover. Yeah. It seemed like something that was right up my alley. She is a Chinese American girl and she grows up in Boston, I think, and then moves to New York or vice versa. I can't remember. And she goes to this private school and meets this guy, waspy white kid who she immediately develops a crush on. And then later in her life, they cross paths again. It's a book about belonging and sort of yearning, but it's, I don't know, it has some dark twists to it as well. It's very good. That's it for you? That's it. All right. Well, in closing, I just want to mention, I'm really excited. I know we are in a little bit of a holding pattern for the summer. Like I said, you might get a glut of episodes and then maybe none for a couple of months, but just bear with us as we're getting back to work. I'm putting some really good systems in place that have me excited to work on the show and kind of get back to our consistency, like bring our news back and really have those things that we love to talk about each episode and just doing some reorganizing so things are easy to find. And I don't know, lots of good stuff coming up. Plus I'm working on another project that is a little bit book adjacent. So you might hear about that soon. And I'm just really excited for the rest of the summer and reading and at least one or two more times coming back and having these this time with you all and with Gail and excited for the fall. Yeah, nice. So on that note, we will have uh, one of the things that we will be able to bring back is our vacation wrap ups. And each time we go on vacation, we like to go through each other's book lists and possibly recommend some things or whatever. So you've heard a little bit about my stack. It's at a very respectable five books right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited to hear what you get through. That might change because, you know, I'm traveling by car, which is I'm like, this is the best thing. And I really don't do that because usually anytime I get a chance to go someplace, I head to Europe or Asia. So this is exciting in its own way. So when we get back, we will do a debrief. Actually, Gail, I guess it's too soon. You haven't put together anything that you're going to be reading for your vacation. No, no, it's too far away. Too far away. But we will have a vacation recap show when we get back. Yes, for sure. 
But text me your list because I can't wait that Okay. <laughs> when I have it ready, I will send it to you. And we hope that everyone else who's listening, who has their own vacation reads, lists and you know goals, wish you luck on those and send us what you're reading. Send us a picture of your vacation stacks. We'd love to see them. And until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.